Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been following us for any period of time, I hope that this would ring true, but we don't generally fit most, I think, marriage ministry categories. And what I mean by that is we're not afraid to talk about, you know, five ways to do this, that, or the other, right? Or improve. <laughs> yeah. But we really try to get down to the core of what it takes to build a marriage that is truly centered on Christ. It's not just a marriage full of, uh, you know, gimmicks and tricks or things that we're trying and but really getting down to what are what are the core motivations of the human heart and how does that affect how I love my wife and how a wife would love her husband. And so today we're going to really get to what we believe to be one of the most core issues of a marriage. In fact, we've dubbed it the 800-pound gorilla in the room, Bible literacy. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about that today, and uh, we hope that you'll stick around because I, I, I strongly believe that if you internalize some of this stuff, uh, that it will revolutionize, it has the potential of revolutionizing how you approach scripture and therefore it'll revolutionize your whole life. So that's a, that's a bold claim, but here we are making it. So we'll see you you on the other side. I think you can make bold claims when it's not resting on you, right? Like the word of God is powerful. So it's the word of God that transforms and revolutionizes. Okay, so if we if we manage to somehow get folks to approach the Word of God mm-hmm. more consistently, consistently, deeply. more deeply, more tr- truly, then yeah, I think the the Word of God will do what the Word of God does. Yes, if Amen. we manage to do that. Amen. So uh, that's our prayer that we would do that. So I want to start with this verse: Man does not live on bread alone, but mm. every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Matthew four four. Jesus said that when he was in the desert mm-hmm. with. Being tempted, being tempted by Satan, right? And that was his, that was his ammo, when Satan said, "Hey, you're hungry. Yeah, here, make yourself some bread or whatever. Turn and you know, just make it happen." And Jesus says, "Man does not live on bread alone, mm. but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." Mm. And so that wasn't just a pithy way for for Jesus to refuse the temptations of the enemy. It was he was stating something true about the very nature of what sustains us. Absolutely. So often we try to go through life with a low-grade spiritual starvation, and we don't even realize it. So here we are to talk about that today. So if, you don't, if you're not familiar who, with who we are, <laughs> we are the Fierce Family of Fierce Marriage. We have another podcast, uh, Fierce Parenting. Mm-hmm. You'll see both of those on our YouTube channel uh, if you haven't checked out that podcast. Uh, my name is Ryan. This is my lovely wife, Selena. We are the Fredericks. We've been married 19 years. Yeah. Feels like yesterday. When Feels I was walking like yesterday. You down, I walked. I didn't walk you down the aisle. I no. walked you. Well, I walked you back down the aisle after yes, you after. met me at the altar. <laughs> Feels like yesterday. We were just babies. Here we are, and uh, God has been gracious. Uh, we pray that our content helps you. Um, if you want to quickly just kind of get get up to speed with who we are, go to our, our website, fiercemarriage.com. We have a lot of a lot of articles, a lot of resources. We've written a number of books, and we've talked about those in the past. Yeah. Um, so let's let's just dive right into this. Yeah. Um, why is this so important, Selene? This is well. What is this? What is the gorilla? I don't know if we've actually named it. I did mention Bible literacy. Oh, you well, did. Well, we said the eight hundred pound gorilla was Bible literacy. Oh, it's not Carol missed, this time around. I missed that. For you office fans. <laughs> yeah. So, what is Bible literacy, and why is it so important? And it, I'm warning. We're going to warn you because if if now if you're watching this, listening to this, and I'm just going to say it. If you're a nominal Christian, and what I mean by that is if you are Christian mostly just by association, um, this this 
will hopefully encourage you and not discourage you, but also challenge you. Um, because uh, I, well, we've been there and that we're gonna talk about that a little bit here. So, so I've asked you this question and I'm, I've not given you a chance to answer it. So Selena, what is Bible literacy and why is it so important? Uh, I think simply put Bible literacy, Bible literacy is <laughs> being able to <laughs> read the Bible, understand its context, uh, and submit to its authority in our lives. So be able to read, understand clearly what the Bible says, not just kind of open and drop your Bible and take out one verse that sounds good and that's your daily devotions. It really is, uh, the mark of a Christian life is is being in God's word, knowing God's word, uh, learning about God's word uh, more, I think, than just mm. on a Sunday or in a community group. Yeah, that's good. I would liken it to... Uh, the ability okay so if you want it if you're hungry you you have a number of choices right <laughs> there you go you can go get some chicken nuggets <laughs> okay you can go get the processed chicken nuggets like someone else has raised that chicken someone else has uh you know slayed the chicken <laughs> and someone else has mm-hmm. processed that into a format that you can eat very easily very convenient in some ways you know tastes you know the way they better maybe uh or you know if you really want to be self-sufficient, which in this case, I think it's healthy to want self-sufficiency in terms of being able to approach your Bible and understand it, you might compare that to somebody who's, going, who's able to go out, hunt for the food, uh, you know, I don't know what the term, uh, skin the food, dress the food, whatever, <laughs> cook it, prepare it, not in that order, <laughs> and then eat it. And so can we basically, can we wean ourselves off of the spiritual milk, like mm. Paul talks about, and into an onto, you know, heartier meals right. without having to have it fed to us. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that we are to just consume the scriptures in a vacuum. That's why we have teachers. That's why we have preachers. Right. However, we should be comfortable approaching the scripture, asking mm-hmm. questions of the scriptures and wrestling with it yeah. and coming up with, coming out of that experience mm-hmm. with something that is, that, ha- that is true. Absolutely. So yeah, you, you, to be able to read scripture, to understand in its context and submit our lives to its authority. Now that last piece, submitting our lives to its authority, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us, you know, softening our hearts. Um, so Selene, you say this, you said, by knowing our Bible, we know God. Right. So when we're, it's not just about knowledge, right? It's not just about knowing knowing God. Yes, we want to know about him. We want to understand his character and his promises. We can only do that through going to the scriptures and so but if we don't go to the scriptures we're not just missing out on knowledge we're missing out on knowing who god is Mm. and i think so often and we'll talk about more of kind of what the problem is today uh why there's such a lack of biblical literacy in our day and age because it's we just often approach it like you said it was like a roulette table like hey we're gonna spin it and see what's in it for me today right like i mean and I've done that. Right. And, and uh, we've all been guilty of it. And or you're just wanting to find some morsel of God loves me or right. I and have I hope. think <laughs> and honestly the thing that has changed it for me, because it was, you know, devotions kind of felt a bit like a drag after a while, because when you use that approach, it really is based on you. It's based on your what you want. Um I mean, dare I say it's selfish, it's a selfish approach to the Bible. Um I think it is good to mm. to want to know God. It's good to want to be to want to be intimate and to understand his character again and his promises, but it's not just so I can feel good, right? And I can feel secure about who I am as a Christian. Uh, yeah, that's a piece of it, but it's 
it's about me knowing God today, yesterday, and looking forward to him in the future. It's about mm. me understanding the character of God in the Old Testament and how he, how Jesus fulfilled all these promises and all of these prophecies and everything that was to come. Like it is just line upon line, precept upon precept, but you can't get that big picture. And, and then it like, it deepens your hunger, right? So yeah. when, I don't know that this, so I got onto a, a Bible plan and I, I read the Bible through. Like, I think I've almost gone through it twice now, which is, I feel silly for saying, because we've been Christians our, like our whole lives. Yeah. And I never read the Bible cover to cover or in a reading plan where it covers the entire Bible. And I, and I, I think that was one of the big like changes for me was that when I actually read it in bulk and read it like literally and, and mm-hmm. was, I, I was more educated on it then than I was, you know, reading it in little pieces at a time. And so. That's good. And we'll get there. So today we're yeah. going to talk through three ways you can read scripture um, as a couple. And I guess three ways to approach how you read scripture. Right. And then we'll give you some really tangible ways to build Bible literacy, rhythms and habits into your own marriage. Um, so I, I do want to kind of round this out because I think the biggest issue with Bible literacy, and you touched on it, is, is we, we are selfish in mm-hmm. how we approach Scripture. We're including ourselves in this, so uh, we tend to be really selfish. In other words, we 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 approach the Scriptures subjectively, and we approach them on our terms. Mm. We are looking for something to confirm what we already hold dear, as opposed to going to Scripture and letting it, letting it splay us open mm-hmm. and show us the truths of God for better or worse, mm-hmm. on however they fall on our sinful hearts. Like, they need to bear their weight on us. And so we need to, I, I think I would simply define Bible literacy as this, as being able to read and understand, understand Scripture on its terms, mm-hmm. on its own terms. And so not doing that, I think, is reminiscent, or I think the result of our individualistic culture. So individualism is kind of one of these big boogeymen in the room, <laughs> right? So individualism has comes with two definitions, and I looked this up. There is a so- social theory definition, which is individualism is a social theory favoring freedom of action for individuals over collective or state control. That doesn't sound so bad. Right? I, I do believe that that's a good thing. We should be responsible for our own individual actions. We should be free to act as individuals within the bounds of the law mm-hmm. without being uh, you know, under state control, obviously, aside from the laws that the state we voted on. Okay, and the second one, now this is where it gets a little bit more insidious, is that individualism is the habit or principle of being independent and self-reliant. Hmm. So as a social theory, it's great, but as a lifestyle, individualism is not great. And what started as, uh, it, it, we, it became, a, it was started as a great way, excuse me, to delineate the boundaries mm-hmm. of state control, but now it's become the norm for every sphere of our life. And mm. I think this includes how we approach Scripture. In other words, we we don't interpret it in light of itself. We don't necessarily interpret it in light of church history or in, in, in terms of, you know, when we're talking about being self-sustaining when you approach Scripture and that you're able to go and mine for the goodness, but you're we don't do it. To. Yeah. We don't do that in a vacuum is what I'm trying to say. Right. And so um, and we have another headline. I mean, should, we, should we talk about this, why we have failed in our past? Is this why we've, how we failed to build biblical literacy in our own marriage it can be i mean i think that we by virtue of doing fierce marriage that has really been right. a driver for us in um in knowing god's word but we don't want to just pursue god's word to bring you a podcast or a, a youtube episode right we're here to again 
share what is an overflow of what's already happening, ideally, right, sure. in our own hearts, for better, for worse, right? The struggles, again, it's splaying us open. It's it's saying this area needs work. And here, here the Holy Spirit is going to be there with you, working with you, giving, equipping you to yeah. overcome these things. But I think generally speaking, um, uh, like I, in our discussion earlier, you were saying that Christianity has become more of just kind of like a lifestyle choice. So again, we see this battle of like authority. It's not just, it's just kind of something I do or we do. We go to church, we read our Bibles, we're just Christians, that's what we do. Instead of hmm. like the Bible is the ultimate truth. There is nothing that can compete or, or make it lesser than it is. It is the truth. There is no other truth. Right. Um, it is not just like, it's not just a devotional, right? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What other book does this? <laughs> what other book no. is alive and does this? So we fail it when we don't believe these things in it, or we don't know these things in it. I mean, if we yeah. aren't in it, we may not know. This is, God's word is ultimate. It's not yeah. comp- It's not something you compromise. It's not like, okay, I'm going to read my devotional today, my Bible tomorrow. It's like, no, you're always in your Bible. What is, is it Spurgeon who says, who says like visit, or maybe it's Piper, visit many good books, but live in your Bible. Yeah, that was Spurgeon, but. Um, so we need, I mean, we need to live as we were created to live. And that means that is being in God's word, not living by bread alone but so, by living on every word of god and we've just failed to do that i think on so many levels well and that's because i think we, we don't value it as what it is and yeah for whatever reason we it do, we don't see it as relevant um well and there's far more interesting things sure. arguably right of distract that can distract us away and uh distract our lives away entirely if we're not careful yeah so the the encouragement here is to i guess if you need it so at times we need it mm-hmm. and so we thought let's let's talk about this is to reboot the the desire to go deep into God's word as yeah. an individual, but as a couple, and to do so well. Don't just I mean we can read and read and read, and that's that has value, but there there is a sense in which we need to read correctly, and that's not to overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. It's just to read with our believers' eyes on to, mm-hmm. to to trust this as the word of God as it is, because when we read scriptures, anything other than authoritative on us. We are devaluing as the very, the, the word of God himself. Meaning mm-hmm. when we read it subjectively, we're not saying it's God's word. We're, we're saying it's our words with God's ideas kind of interlaced mm-hmm. into what we already know and believe and want to hold dear. That's when we read our own meanings into scripture. And we'll have an example of this um, toward the end. But we want, what we want to do is give you now, I guess there, I, I, where'd I have it? I three, three ways to approach scripture. Okay. So... How do, there's the question. How do we build Bible literacy in marriage? Mm-hmm. Um, first off, in all things unity. So ideally you do this together, right? Mm-hmm. And we have, we have so many wives are watching, listening to this, and they say, you know, I'd love to do this, but my husband's not on board. And I've seen husbands will say the same thing. Mm-hmm. So ideally the best place to start to build it in your marriage is to do this in unity, to decide on a plan together. Now with that said, if you can't decide on a plan together, still Absolutely. you can decide to lead the charge yeah. whether you're the husband or the wife you can decide to say this is this is something that I'm going to value and I'm going to do in my own personal life yeah. praying and hoping that it, it ends up becoming a, a joint thing um, and with that I would say pray pray that the Lord right. births in you wells up from within you a deep hunger as if you're hungry for physical food 
a hunger for his spiritual food. Right. I think that's probably one of the biggest battles we face as hmm. as believers is just everything is provided for us. We have no lack. And so to understand hunger, to understand um, things hmm. that might make us feel uncomfortable or might be hard or challenging, it's it doesn't take much, right? And so... <laughs> I would say, like, yes, God, stir in us with it, stir within us a deep hunger for your word. And mm-hmm. even if you don't feel that the first week or so that you're reading, like, keep reading, keep going at it, keep diving in, uh, commit to it because it's, it really is within that commitment, that long term commitment of day in and day out that you start to ask questions, you start processing verses and scripture in different ways, your heart starts wrestling with certain things and you want to know the answers. And before you know it, you've got your systematic theology book out, you've got your Bible out, you've got, you know, people on YouTube, you're trying to like type in verses and trying to understand your, I got questions, you know, and, and I think that's all good because we have so many resources, like we are more equipped to understand the Bible than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. So in all things unity, pray and go in with this eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. God, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Knowing that we do have a lot of these resources resources at our fingertips. Yeah. So here's the, the first step in that. Read the Bible. <laughs> this might sound silly, but uh, we you need to read the Bible. But not only that, but we're on a plan, okay? Yeah. Any goal that's worth acquiring or worth pursuing is going to be worth setting a, a plan to get there. I'm your biggest person that does not like plans. I'll just tell you that right now. I don't, I yeah. always feel like he's I can always never like, get Selena to set goals because she's like, I'm just going to ruin it anyway. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so, can I just like live day to day and just not just have like day to day goals that I know that I can accomplish and then have a few extras. Um, but I will tell you that getting on a reading plan uh, was life changing. And it really, there's lots of reading plans in your Bible, mm-hmm. um, depending on which kind of Bible you have. We've have, uh, we're doing a, we're going through a CSB, which is kind of neat to go through different translations. And it has a Bible, it has a reading plan for each book of the Bible, mm-hmm. as well as a year-long reading plan, too. Yeah, which actually leads me to the next piece, because there's three different ways to read Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I, I would encourage you, if you can, okay, just by virtue of trying these things, you're going to end up seeing that your devotional time is going to be blown out beyond the normal five or ten mm-hmm. minutes that maybe you might be used to. It might be closer to an hour, just by nece- just by necessity. So three ways to read Scripture. I think there's seasons for each. If you can, try to do them simultaneously. And they're these. Breadth, you read for breadth. Then you you read for depth. And then you read for memorization. So breadth and depth. There's the homeschool mom coming out. <laughs> well, because breadth, just the volume. You, you want right? to read for big, long passages of Scripture and understand the, the big stories and the, the big pictures of it. But you can only do that by reading chapters and chapters of Scripture. You need time. And here's the kicker here is don't feel like you have to hover too far, too long in one particular spot. You need mm-hmm. to just get the narratives in you, get the arch of scripture in you, get the character stories and the, you know, the events mm-hmm. in you, knowing that you'll miss a lot of it, but you'll still catch 10, 15% of it and it will be there. Well, and you, if you, and that's okay. You've got a lifetime to go back and, and do yeah, it again. It's not the like, first time you're, it's not the last time you're going to read it. Uh, the second way is depth. So picking either a, a section of scripture. Mm-hmm a chapter, a book, or even doing a specific study. So like, you know, I've seen some do like a wisdom study or, you know, that'll be like a word study or topic study, or you might do a a study study. over the book of the Bible and that's going to have more depth. That's incredible. If you just do that, I, my, here's again, personally, there's no hard and fast, like biblical mandate that says you have to read the way Ryan and Selena said, we're not, that's not what we're saying, but I've just found that if I read for depth and I leave the breadth, I table that. I start to lose 
the, he only the goes overarching. So deep, to be honest, I feel like. Yeah, but but you can spend all your devotional time going deep and not right. spend any time keeping the breadth kind of. I think the breadth helps you go the depth as well because sure. there's so much more to explore and understand. But like I have books, you know, on the shelf right. behind us that like there's a there's a volume on on Isaiah that is. I could probably spend the next year reading that book because it's just the book of Isaiah isn't intense and it's there's a lot of scholarly kind of stuff that's being said around it. And if I just read just that text and I'm reading through the book of Isaiah for the next year, I'm not going to touch on the Gospels. I'm not going to touch on the Epistles. I'm not going to hear about redemptive history. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to get just that, that I'm not going to get the Psalms or the Proverbs. Right. So I just feel like I start to lack and my diet becomes imbalanced at that point. Mm-hmm which is why the, the breadth keeps the balance in place yeah. in my mind. And then obviously, most intuitively, I think it's the memorization piece. And that's just where you're being disciplined and saying, I need, it's not just I want, or I, I need this so that it's, so that it makes, I can pull it out whenever I need a, a pick me up. That's part of it. Well, but we have a scriptural imperative that says, lock the word of God in your heart, like, write it on the tablet of your heart. When I would say an encouragement that I got from a friend when I was just feeling like, you know, we're, I'm pregnant again. We're going to have a baby a couple months. <laughs> yeah. um, and all that goes along with that, right? And so it's not like I can sit here and have my hour-long devotion. I've got three other kids that we're home educating and, you know, doing our best to live on the path that God's given us uh, faithfully. And so a friend was just like, you know, just if you read when you can and then just memorize, maybe just sit and memorize a passage of Scripture for the next month. So... If I can only read one or two verses, then I'm going to read those over and over and I'm going to lock them in my heart. I'm going to I'm going to go to them, you know, whenever we're I'm sitting, you know, feeding the baby or whatever's happening. It's like there there are seasons I think that we can go through if we're if you're going through sickness, if you're going mm-hmm. through just any sort of physical hard time, like it's a great time to start memorizing scripture and getting it in your heart. Not only is it good for your mind, but it really is good for your soul and your heart. It's encouragement. Uh, it'll uplift you. And it'll, I think, so you would say, remind you of the strength. Do that alone? You'd say memorize. Not do it. Alone? No, I wouldn't say do it alone. Um, but if you if you lack the time, I mean, memorization is probably one of the best ways to yeah. be concentrating on scripture. It's a concentrated like, yeah. Yeah. not a, not a lot of time, but I got I want to do it like well. Or and of course, there's grace in all this. Like we're not saying that if you you know if you <laughs> something in your yes. life happens and you're unable to read scripture, then God is not counting your the amount of words you're reading every day yeah but we're saying is as fellow brothers and sisters in christ is we want to encourage you to drink deep Mm -hmm. the word of god because it is what it says it is and that is it is the sustaining life that that we need here as christ said it's we 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 live on the words of god that proceed from his mouth i think doing it with each other i don't know if you're gonna if we're gonna talk to that well yeah it is a marriage podcast so we are trying to you know See, see that marriages value this as part of well, your marital. Yeah, and this is one of the first times, if we're honest, that we're actually doing a reading plan together. We've done it in spats, but we're for the next nine months, we're, yeah, doing, we're doing the them. same exact plan. And it's been great because we'll have reflections. Just talk about it right in real time. And I know exactly where he's at. Like mm-hmm. he's in Genesis or Psalm or whatever, or John. I know what he's reading and we're talking about it. Yeah. And I don't need the context of where it's at. I'm just like, yeah, totally. I had that question too. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know. Which actually, as we approach the text, okay, so here we're encouraging you, pray, find unity, mm-hmm. hunger for the Word of God, read the Bible mm-hmm. together, get a plan to do so, read for breadth, depth, and memorization. Now, 
that's the plan. So now as you approach the text, mm. Selena, you mentioned questions. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things about reading scripture is you get to ask questions of the text. But yeah. to do so, we must approach the text humbly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know all there is to know about the word of mm-hmm. God. I need it to be shown to me mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. I need to, it to be shown to me by just going line by line and, and seeing it unfold before my eyes. Right. And when we go humbly, we can now go objectively. Right. And we can say that I'm, I'm not here just to get something from it and leave, but I'm here to encounter God himself in a, in a way and to have him tell me what to think. Well, and by virtue of just being in his presence and, and undistracted and, and learning mm. and watching and absorbing and focusing on, on who God is and who Christ is and the, his life that he lived, I think by virtue we will begin to ask those questions. We will begin to um, desire him more and more and, and, mm. and want to, I think we'll just, our hearts and our minds will start processing it differently. We won't just be yeah. there to get, yes, we will be fed we do get fed but that's secondary i think to knowing well, knowing yeah. god or sure. it's an overflow i would say maybe of knowing sure god. i mean if that's all if that's the only reason we're going to scripture then so be it like go to be fed like so be it yes go drink deep of of the well that is christ the living water that that's wells true. up from within yeah. you um and and so we're we're sheep right and so we true. the idea is that hopefully that we would be in love with our shepherd mm. in such a way that we just want to be with him yeah we feel safe with him but also our shepherd feeds us and mm-hmm. also our shepherd takes care of us. Um, but again, as we approach the text, we do so humbly, objectively, not subjectively. And we do so uh, we to ask questions of the text. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do we mean by that? Very quickly, we ask, what did the author intend? Okay, the author, being under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying something to to a specific end. It's mm-hmm. not just whatever we get from it right then. That's yeah, not what we think When it, it is, says that right? scripture is alive and active, it doesn't mean it changes. It means that our hearts are constantly receiving it in different, you know, yeah. in, in different capacities. Different ways, different capacities. And so yeah. what did the author intend when he wrote this? Hmm. And part of that is who is the audience? Okay, well, who is Isaiah writing to? Who is Paul writing Interestingly to? Interestingly enough, if you do have a study Bible, it does address a lot of these things, mm-hmm. and it's on like the first page of the of any book. So, so you don't and I would say, need to... I would say yes, go to those, but don't do so immediately. And I'll, I'll yes. get to that. Yes, yes. So I want to finish this asking questions of the text. What is the context? Mm-hmm. So, what do the author intend? Who's the audience? What is the context? And and by by that I mean immediately in the surrounding chapter in the surrounding book. Mm-hmm. What is the context biblically? You know, and what what is where does that book sit in the the grand scheme of all the scriptural narrative? Hmm. Where does it stand culturally? Okay, so by understanding a little bit, and, and some of this you won't know unless you do some parabiblical study, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't necessarily know automatically what was happening in Corinth when Paul wrote the letters to the Corinthians. Generally. You can find some of that stuff, but you but there are some historical contexts that can be teased out from other resources. Yeah. Um, and so we approach it, we're asking those those three categories of questions. And then we have this. What ask yourself this, what troubles me about this text? In other words, what do, what don't I understand? What doesn't sit right? What is twisting around in yeah. me as a result of reading this? And how do I where do I find those answers? And that's where we would then go uh, to the text to let it interpret itself. Now mm-hmm. it's very tempting, and I, I do agree with Selena, like study Bibles are incredible. The ESV study Bible is very well done. Yeah. It's very tempting to just say, oh, I have a small question. I'm just going to just basically Google it at that point instead of wrestling with it myself, instead of thinking to myself, okay, so Paul wrote this. Why did he say 
Okay, well, we'll go like First Corinthians seven, right? It's at there or six. It's the you know, do not withhold from your spouse her his or her conjugal <laughs> rights. <laughs> because it's a marriage podcast. <laughs> so why would Paul write that? Hmm. It's very easy just to go to that spot in the study Bible and say, okay, well, that's a response to X, Y, and Z, and here's what Paul's act, you know, here's what he's saying, and here's how we can understand it. Which I don't think anything is wrong with that, but you're saying go the ex- go the next step, go like ten steps down the line of, okay, he he wrote this to answer some of the uh, clashing that was happening was in the in the church in Corinth. Well, yeah, and, exactly. You go back up. You say, okay, right. This is where this te- this text is landing on on you know, this particular spot. Go up, ask yourself, why Why would Paul be talking about this? In other words, you're learning how to gut the deer yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of just expecting it to show up packaged and neat on your front porch, like, do some of that bloody work yeah, and- of getting into the text. And, and, and you could be completely wrong. And that's why you have the, that's why we have this, the study aids. Right. Like the study Bible, which people who do that are faithful brothers and sisters. They've written this, yeah. those texts. They're not just coming up with their own ideas. <laughs> And so we can we can then say okay, but what happened? Even if you're wrong, what happened in that case yeah. is that you have now learned what it's like to dissect the word for yourself. And mm-hmm. if you've done it incorrectly, you can say okay, this is what I could do to be correct mm-hmm. or have a better shot at being be correct more next time. At reading it, yeah. You can see how I missed this or I missed that. Um, so let the text first answer interpret itself, uh, and then um, and this is the, into the application piece. Decipher meaning versus significance. And what I mean by that is, here's, I'll, I'll read this example from um, Genesis 49, 18. This is one of those passages that's kind of like a book bookend passage at the end of the book of Genesis. Yeah. And it says this. Um, now, this is where, okay, so Joseph, Jacob had just passed away. Joseph was Pharaoh's like right-hand guy. He had basically saved the entire nation of Israel, all, all the tribes of Israel by... Saved like all of Egypt. <laughs> yeah, all of Egypt by letting them come and eat the food that he had stored up for Egypt. Um, long story short. And so Jacob dies, and so his brothers are afraid that, that Joseph is going to basically kill them because they're, they sold him into slavery. Yeah, when okay? he was younger. And so they go to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept as they spoke to him. His brothers also came to him and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many Mm -hmm. people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. So that's one of those verses that we'll read that and we'll say, Oh, this is great. What, What they meant for evil, God meant for good. All right, and so we'll be driving down the road and be like, someone merges in front of us to cut us off. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. I'm using a very silly example, but the point is that we can sometimes read that text and say, okay, now anything that's evil to me, God means for good for me. But no, the context of that passage shows us something about God's character that then is a deeper well from which we can draw. It says we have a God who is sovereign, who is doing things that we don't always understand at the time, who will use hardship and will use injustice to his sovereign good ends. Mm. This is so much more than a fortune cookie Absolutely. passage. Absolutely. This is a deep well of security, knowing that this is the type of God we serve, but we don't get that if we just well, look at the information of it and 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 immediately jump to the application instead of seeing the context and then seeing the application. Well, and seeing Joseph's response, there's a lot of weeping in that in the, the end of Genesis between Joseph and 
the reconciliation with his brothers and his father. And you see, you, you read these words that a, a, a little while later, you know, that's like 20 years in the Bible. Right. I mean, this is a long time that, that you know, they had they hadn't seen each other. They sold him when he was like a teenager, and he goes. To, he gets sold to Egypt, sold mm-hmm. to Pharaoh, mistreated in the dungeon. Like, and then he's given a wife. He's the right hand man of Pharaoh and has kids. Like he has this whole life, and then he meets his family again. I mean, there's just so much in there in terms of like familial relationships and how and yeah. how Joseph could say, "You're already forgiven." Like, who am I, God? I mean, to that kind of response can yeah. only reveal the work of God in his own yeah. heart, right? It says something about who Joseph was, that he was able to endure all that and still... And God had his, his favorable hand yeah. on him, it says a lot too, so... Absolutely. So I hope that, we hope that was encouraging to you. Obviously, this is a huge topic, and we're just trying to kind of inter... What, inject yeah. some encouragement to just see God's word for what it is and run to it. Yeah. Run to the word and let it... Read a lot of it. <laughs> Hold its, yeah, let it have its proper place in yeah. your life um, because it, these are the words of God and the Holy Spirit is there to enliven them in your heart yeah. and to help you live by them and to apply them. And it's and so, not it's not boring. Like I thought, yes, there are some chapters that are a bit, you know, long to go through, like Chronicles, Numbers, Leviticus. Something so hardcore. I, we're getting th- we went through some of the... Uh, just the, the lineage. Uh, the lineage. People. And I'm like, so what do you do when you hit the lineage? She's like, I read it. And I was like, I'm just going to skip it. And you're like, did you even read the Bible then? <laughs> like, Shoot. There's something about going through the lineage a few times. You catch different names and you you, you right. hear them through your other studies. But anyways, just be encouraged, friend, not to just stay yeah, in one spot that you're familiar with in the Bible. Or don't be afraid to read six, seven chapters a day. I mean, your life will just be so enriched. And your connection mm. with your spouse, um, even your ability to love your spouse, who might be really challenging and difficult, I think you grow in that. The Lord uh, strengthens you and empowers you and gives you more patience than you thought you you could have yeah. uh, in order to deal with and love your spouse the way He would want you to love them. That's good. So the Bible is not just words on a page. Mm. They're not just a bunch of books that were thrown together by old guys hundreds of thousands of years ago. These are living alive that's redundant words of god <laughs> and not only that but they give us the story of, of the redemptive work yeah. of god the promise of god the fail the failure of our kind mankind mm-hmm. to keep our end of the promise but god still being faithful and fulfilling the promise himself namely through sending christ who lived a perfect life died a sinner's death didn't stay dead arose from the grave ascended up into heaven now sits at the right hand of the father also that we might stand justified in him. Yeah. He was the sacrifice for our sin that we could never pay. And so that's what scripture is all about. That's that's where that's he is Christ is the whole point of it. He's the climax. He is the sum and total of what scripture tells us. And so we want to invite you into relationship with him. The Bible says God loved the world in such a way that he sent his son mm-hmm. so that whoever believes in him doesn't won't have to perish but have eternal life instead. And so if you want to become a Christian, if you're still hearing this, watching this, and you're hearing my voice right now, this could be the moment that you'd make a decision to place your faith in Christ. Uh, If you want to start down that path, I encourage you to find a pastor, a friend who believes in Jesus. If you don't have one of those, we have a website that might get you there, uh, thenewsisgood.com. Check that out. There's a place to find a good Bible-believing church there. Um, We hope you'll take us up on that offer. Uh, With that said, let's pray. 
Father, thank you for this uh, gift of your word. I pray mm-hmm. for the couples uh, that are hearing this, that are watching this, that they would um, have a deep hunger for your word. And Lord, encourage them. And I pray that you would embolden them as they approach your word and to not just read it, but to let them, to let it read them. Mm-hmm. Lord, that it might change hearts, soften our hearts, change our lives, and make our marriages that much better, that much more, much more glorifying to you. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thanks for joining us. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our lovely patrons. Gosh, you guys are incredible. We've had yes. a number of new patrons this last week. I think That's we've awesome. had like three or four new patrons. Praise God. Uh, maybe I'll start mentioning their names. I'm always kind of like, <laughs> do they want their names mentioned? Maybe I just feel... their first names or something. Okay, John and Sally. <laughs> I don't know. I have to I have to look you guys up. I'm, no, I'm, I, I just I don't know about privacy. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you. If you'd like to partner with us, this content is largely possible because of our partners. Absolutely. Go to yeah. fiercemarriage.com slash partner. Certainly, if that's not you, you're still welcome here. We will continue to produce content by the grace of God, mm-hmm. if the Lord wills it. So with that said, this episode of Fierce Marriages is... In the can. <laughs> We're getting worse at this. I know. We'll see you We're- again <laughs> in about seven days. Until next time. Stay fierce.